Welcome to The Future Built Smarter, a podcast in which IMEG engineers discuss innovative and trend-setting building and infrastructure design with architects, owners, and others in the AEC industry. I'm your host, Joe Payne, back again with my co-host, Mike Lawless, IMEG's Director of Innovation. Mike, welcome back. Yeah, no, great to be here. We've got a really, really good group today. We do. We have actually a, a big group with us today. Uh, we have three guests we have Kevin Langan, a mechanical engineer with one of IMEG's healthcare teams. And we also have Jerry McGuire and Steve Mum, Senior Project Managers for Planning, Design, and Construction at UW Health in Madison, Wisconsin. Our topic is the new East Park Medical Center, currently under construction and due to open in the fall of 2024. Steve, give us a bird's eye view of that project. Sure. So uh, East Park Medical Center um, is... Uh, really the first step in UW Health's triple hub ambulatory care model. Um, it's going to be a 470,000 square foot clinic um, and ultimately be a destination for cancer center, uh, women's complex care, and multidisciplinary adult specialties. Um, so uh, we started our design uh, before the pandemic, and uh, during the pandemic, we had a number of lessons learned that got implemented in the facility um, and one of them uh, was uh, the addition of proton therapy component, um, really to uh, even provide additional benefit to cancer patients. Following up on that, Steve and Jerry, for those of us that aren't familiar with proton therapy, Jerry, what is it and what, what are you doing that's, that's pretty special in this facility? Proton therapy is a relatively new uh, cancer treatment process. It's relatively, within, I'd say, within the last 10 years. Traditional radiation really delivers x-rays and a beam of photons to the tumor and beyond. So the huge benefit using proton, it's really an advanced form of radiation therapy that reacts with the tumors. And what I mean by that, you can put a precise dose of radiation that conforms to the shape of the tumor itself, and therefore it reduces the risk of side effects, and it doesn't damage all the surrounding healthy tissues. And the particular proton center that we're working on, it has two components to it. It has a rotating gantry that where a patient would sit on a uh, treatment couch. And it also has an upright fixed beam system that is being designed by LeoCare. East Park Medical Center is on track to be the first in the U.S. to offer upright proton therapy. What additional benefits does that provide? Well, one, one of the things that... Uh, they're finding out with treating cancer patients on a rotating gantry. Uh, there, there is more issues with patients laying down as far as patient outcomes, breathing. So what they're trying to do is really to shift away from machine rotation and get into what they call a patient rotation where you're sitting upright and the machine rotates around you. And they've had a lot better patient outcomes with uh, the upright system. So that is giving a little bit more options for patients to treat cancer. And, and I'll just add to that, Jerry, that, you know, it's, it's a benefit for both uh, adults and pediatrics. I, I think it uh, decreases anxiety levels uh, for patients going through uh, cancer treatment. You know, I had a daughter who went through cancer treatment, actually. Um, she's nine years off of treatment, super healthy, but she went through all this. And I, I will say seeing some of the images of these spaces, it definitely looks like a much friendlier environment for some of that, that treatment. So that's, that's really neat to see those, those advances. Um, the other question I just to bring Kevin in on this is, you know, we're, you guys are doing this first in the U S sort of 
uh, you know, first in the U.S. installation. I guess, Kevin, what kind of challenges does that bring as far as the infrastructure and the design and the things that go on behind the walls to make, make all this work? Yeah, so just proton therapy alone, there's a lot of implications. Um, and so there are some of those in the U.S., but um, this is still a, a relatively new technology. So right from the beginning with just proton therapy alone, there's huge implications well beyond just the proton therapy space. Going back to the, you know, chiller plant gets larger. Our uh, incoming electrical service, we had to add another one. We had to increase uh, generator sizes. It's a really big, wide-ranging implications there. And then with this fixed beam, that, you know, that as Jerry mentioned, it's first in the U.S., um, really hasn't been implemented before. So it takes a lot of coordination with the vendor, with LeoCare, um, making sure that, you know, we're providing what they need, making sure that we understand what they're asking for and kind of working in concert with with both vendors, the proton therapy vendor and the uh, standing upright uh, treatment vendor with, with LeoCare. So it, just a lot of that coordination with the vendors and um, working through basically like they're part of the design team for many months as we work through the iterations of the design. Yeah, I guess, Jerry, as you're getting into this, how do, how much time do you need to leave? You know, it's, it's a, it's the first one, the infrastructure has been coordinated. What's the testing process look like on something like this? When, do, you know, you're going to go live in 2024. When does, when do you start testing this and seeing how it works? Well, there's uh, approximately about a four to six month uh, commissioning timeline once the equipment's installed. But overall, once a vendor has been selected, uh, it's anywhere from uh, 30 months to 36 months uh, by the time you give a contract purchase order through a go live. So the manufacturing time is quite uh, lengthy on a Proton because everything is customized. And then the installation timeframes are anywhere from six to eight months. And then you have a commissioning process that goes through to validate the equipment. In addition to that, we have to do clinical commissioning as well with the user groups once the equipment is finally installed. So it, it's, you got you need to figure it anywhere from two and a half to three years. How engaged are the, you know, the radiologists and those folks that are going to use this? This is a new tool for them. How do they, how do they engage with it and start to understand how they can use it to help their patients? Well, that's a great question, uh, Mike. So our radiation oncology group, um, in addition to the doctors and nurses, there is a whole department that we call our medical physicist team. So they're really engaged throughout the entire process from the radiological consultant uh, through the clinical commissioning. So they're right there to accompany our user groups, meaning the docs and the nurses, to make sure this equipment is, uh, is clinically commissioned before we actually go live. So they'll do a lot of testing prior to the first patient even seeing the equipment. Whenever I think about physicists in healthcare, I, I often think about, you know, containment. So, I, you know, we're dealing with protons and, and radiation. What's the, is there some kind of special containment you use in these facilities or, or how does that work? Well, prior to even starting, you really have to make sure you get a radiological consultant on board. And uh, they basically go through and, dictate what the, the neutron dose rates are for all of the walls, meaning the maze walls and the ceilings. So once all that's get done, they usually work hand in hand with our medical physicist team to make sure that our walls are built 
to withstand the neutron dose rates that are contained within the treatment bay. And and that means thick walls, right? And what are these walls, Steve, what are these walls made out of? Like, what, how do they construct these? So to, to account for that, uh, ultimately we have uh, seven foot thick walls in some instances uh, to accommodate the physicist report um, with angled conduit and piping through the walls uh, just to limit any exposure. Um, and uh, with those thick walls, we had uh, over 3,500 cubic yards of concrete just below grade um, uh, for our proton center. Um, so really there's a, a pretty intense thermal control plan for that amount of concrete. Um, so our thermal control plan uh, consisted uh, of an air-cooled chiller pumping a glycol through one-inch PEX tubing on about a three-foot by three-foot grid um, just to uh, keep uh, the concrete uh, within a, a certain temperature uh, differential between uh, the center and the ambient air uh, to make sure that the concrete cured appropriately. Um, so after that concrete cured, after about eight to 10 days, the piping was cut off and grouted full. Um, so that temperature uh, of the concrete also uh, pushed our team to look at some uh, alternate materials for our conduit, uh, and sanitary and storm piping throughout um, the, the middle of that concrete, uh, just because it uh, did uh, hit some pretty extreme temperatures. So uh, for this team, we used a, a fiberglass reinforced uh, epoxy conduit uh, and epoxy coated cast iron uh, for uh, our sanitary and storm. So that gave us some of the confidence that we wouldn't infect, affect the integrity of uh, our wiring and uh, piping uh, during those concrete installs, because we're not going to go back in and and change it after we've poured 3,500 yards. So how warm did it get inside of this, this mass of concrete as it was curing? Like what kind of temperatures did you get to? So they don't want it to get above 160 degrees. Um, that, that'll, that's the temperature that uh, would certainly affect the integrity of the concrete. Um, ours peaked at around 125 degrees uh, and came back down uh, to uh, the 90, uh, 90 five degree temperature range in about that eight day window. Yeah. So you designed a system to air condition your concrete pour because it was so thick, basically. Is that, is that a fair summary of how that had to work? Yeah. And we were, yeah, in, it was like in ground cooling basically um, for our concrete pour. So that, that piping system was installed in between the, the, the thousands of tons of rebar uh, that were built into that concrete as well. Kevin, were you involved in this in take in providing cooling to this this pretty important structure? Yeah, so we worked with uh, the contractor in terms of um, kind of coming up with that plan to cool it down, um, and then you know, it's Steve mentioned with, with that much concrete below, it's pretty amazing to see. You know, it's not every day that you're putting piping, putting conduit in a seven foot thick concrete slab, so. There's a maze of rebar, and then we have our piping supported in there. And like Steve mentioned, it's once it's in there, it's there forever. So we got to make sure, even while they're pouring it, even while it's curing, that nothing is damaged because there's no going back. We actually poured that in three different lifts uh, to get up to elevation 100. So three different times we had to prepare for cooling. For those of us that aren't as familiar, how many concrete trucks is that? Like what kind of quantity? If you if you equated it to concrete trucks, how many is that? Yeah, so for that pour or for for those pours, um, each concrete truck holds um, just under ten uh, yards of concrete. So we had you know just under four hundred trucks um, out there for those three lifts. 
Um, for the, the biggest lift, it was 1,800 yards. Uh, and that day there were uh, uh, two concrete pumps uh, and a concrete conveyor uh, on site with 50 trucks on rotation um, to, to complete the pour uh, in approximately a six-hour window. Kevin, from a engineering consultant viewpoint, uh, you've worked in a lot of hospitals, a lot of projects. Uh, you know, how do you compare this to some of the things you worked on before? It's certainly unique. Um, it's I like to say I mentioned this before. It's it's similar, but it's it's different. Um, it, it's the same things that we normally do for a hospital, like you know you're providing cooling to an MRI machine or cooling to a Linac machine, but it's just significantly more. The amount of cooling it needs, the amount of pressure drop that it has, uh, the purity of water that it requires, it's all just on a different level. Um, so it it was things that we we've dealt with before, but just another level above. And it, you know, as we mentioned, you know, seven foot thick concrete slab, you know, four to six foot thick concrete walls, you just really need to make sure that all your I's are dotted, all your T's are crossed, because you're not going back and adding a conduit or adding a pipe later. It it all needs to be figured out ahead of time because that's that's the only chance you have sounds like a lot of uh, a lot of collaboration and a truly had to be a truly integrated team effort to to make this all work right from the beginning it was yeah we, we ultimately uh, forced a marriage between leo care and our our main uh gantry vendor um, and proton vendor uh and just the coordination between them, uh, our design team, our construction partners, um, and uh, there's additional complexities with um, the FDA being involved uh, for that testing and validation. Um, so um, there, it, it's been a very complex project with a, a lot of team effort. Absolutely. And I think one of the you know complexities we haven't talked about that I think is pretty pretty fun story too is you guys have a significant solar array on associated with this project and how does the energy from that solar array sort of relate to this proton therapy energy usage? East Park Medical Center as a whole um, is uh, pursuing lead certification of version 4.1 for healthcare. Um, And uh, we enacted a a number of sustainable features, solar being one of them. Uh, On top of our uh, parking deck, uh, there's approximately uh, one megawatt uh, solar array um, that uh, backfeeds um, our facility. Uh, and it was determined um, when we were designing the Proton Center that uh, that array is approximately the um, power needed uh, to power the Proton Center uh, alone. So um, we, we're, uh, uh, I guess, touting uh, that we are basically having a carbon neutral uh, Proton Center uh, in, in Madison, Wisconsin. So it's a so it's a proton center powered by the sun, right? <laughs> it absolutely is. It's a pretty fun way to look at it. Yeah. One other thing we we're able to do there too, Steve, with the uh, the amount of cooling I've mentioned that that this uh, proton equipment requires um, as part of putting in the proton therapy. If you remember, we added an energy recovery chiller because it needs that cooling even in the dead of winter in a Wisconsin winter. We still need all that cooling for that equipment. And so basically what we're doing then is we're taking all the heat that's generated by this proton therapy equipment. We're using that to heat the building. Um, so we're, we're able to get in that way as well. Once this is complete, you know, how many, like how many people are you going to be able to impact? You know, how, what's the, 
kind of how many families are going to have folks get treated here and have better outcomes? What's, what does that look like? You know, once this is done, what's that, what's that impact on the community look like? Well, I don't think we have exact a number of patient uh, cases, uh, but here's one thing to think about. There currently is no proton center in the state of Wisconsin. Our patients currently now in, the, in Wisconsin have to drive the Chicago suburbs to get proton or they have to go to Minnesota. So this will be the first proton center in the state of Wisconsin. So we don't have an exact amount of what the patient population is going to be. Uh, but we anticipate it's going to be pretty significant because people won't have to drive two hours one way to get treatment for cancer. What do you see on the horizon for, you know, this this project as as being a kind of a, I don't know, a harbinger of things to come for other hospitals? Do you think they'll take up uh, similar projects based on what type of uh, success that you expect to have at East Park? Yeah, I do. Uh, one of the things that we see is overall across the country is, you know, Proton is a very a, a large capital investment to uh, use Proton therapy as a whole. So you have to have a pretty large organization to support the infrastructure, as well as having patients to be able to uh, put the return on investment to pay for such a Proton center. So that's a, a huge thing that overall UW Health is looking at because uh the building, for the most part, is primarily for oncology and cancer treatment. So we think this is just one other tool that we have to treat patients with severe cancer. Steve, Jerry, and Kevin, thank you for joining us today. This has really been an interesting conversation on a very groundbreaking project and something that's going to really have an incredible effect on, on patient health in the near, very near future. Listeners who'd like to listen to previous episodes of The Future Built Smarter can find us at imagcorp.com or listen to us on any podcast app. We'll be back with another episode in the near future. Until then, thanks for listening and take care. <music>